Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. Welcome back. I am here, uh, joined today by Matt Barfield. Hello again. And we are going to be talking through uh, the next lesson that we've gone through in our Christology series. Uh, We're talking about Jesus when God became man, and we've talked about the divinity, we've talked about the humanity, and then we've talked about the incarnation of Jesus. And now we're asking a very important question. How does the Old Testament prepare uh, the way for Jesus? Um, In Luke 24, 27, Jesus is speaking, or uh, it's describing Jesus speaking, and it says, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And that is a uh, teasing little statement that theologians have kind of drooled over for a while because the question is, so what did he say? Yeah. Um, it, you know, there, there's this question uh, that, that the church has wrestled with for the last 2,000 years, and that is, how exactly do we think of this relationship? Um, because uh, Between the Old Testament and Jesus. The Old Testament and Jesus. Because right. really, the you know, Scripture is all about Jesus. I mean, mm-hmm. he is the main character. Um and yet, how does the Old Testament? Because the Old Testament is roughly, you know, two thirds of our Bible. So, what do you do with right. with that two thirds of the Bible? That's a lot of material. And there have been different answers. Uh, the ancient church, one of the main answers they came up with was actually allegory. And so, what they would do is they would read the Old Testament, and then they'd try and find little details here or there, and, and try and enforce a connection. And so, oh, there's a donkey there. Well, Jesus rode on a donkey. This must really be talking about Jesus, that type of thing. And you know, you kind of look at that and scratch your head and be like, I, I don't. Is that really you know, what's going on here? But, you know, t- to be fair, they're, they're trying to make application. They're trying to see how this all points to Jesus. Right. And um, so what we're going to do in this lesson is we're going to think through this question and come up with a few answers. And Matt and I are just going to kind of talk back and forth, and I'm going to pick his brain, and he's going to challenge what I write here. And so we'll hopefully <laughs> <laughs> um, have a good time going through with this. Um, Matt, I- I'm just curious as we get started. Has this ever been something that you've wrestled with or thought through or Yeah, well I I love the Old Testament. I I preach in it a lot. I start there a lot and then I usually end up making application from the New Testament. Um it's it's just to me um you know watching how God works with Israel and what he does for them and how he works through them. These are written for our examples. The New Testament tells us that. And so, you know, it, it's not hard to understand um or to or to or to look in there and go, "Wow, I need to see how this is this instructs or gives me a framework for understanding the life of Christ today. So yeah, I, I love I love going through the Old Testament. I love seeing um, you know how that helps me in my Christian walk today. But then specifically, you know how does how is Christ showing Himself there? And it, it gives us some perspective. It gives us a new way of looking at it. And having that framework is so important. You know the stories that we take in about anything affect us profoundly. And here we have the story of how Christ worked in humanity for centuries across all this time, what he was doing, how he was preparing the way. Um, I was talking about this with a Bible class last week here at the school, Christian school. Um, you know, how, what, what was it that God was doing? Uh, what was he, what was he preparing the way for? Um, and so when you, when you look at the work that he did, it gives you great perspective. And I think that's very helpful. And we have to be careful about the storylines that we bring in. And when we think about the Bible, having those important storylines that give us a framework and a, a web through which we could put uh, New Testament ideas. It's very helpful. Yeah. I think of it some ways, and, you know, what we'll go through in this lesson is almost being like four different lenses that you can, you know, you can look through this lens and there's things that you'll see, and then you look through a different lens and then there's other things that you'll see. Um, and I, I don't know if they keep conversations recorded uh, in heaven or if you could just yeah. go up and ask, but I, I, I really want to know uh, what exactly is it that Jesus said. And in many ways, 
the church for the last you know several thousand years has been trying to answer that question what what was going on in that conversation yeah and you know i think that obviously god knew what he was doing he could have he could have given us Word for word, what that was. Well, I like how he started the conversation when he looks at the disciples and say, Oh, fools, and slow <laughs> of heart yeah. to believe. Uh, you know, that's we ought to approach the Old Testament with uh, some wisdom, and that's that perspective. Mm-hmm. And then with a ready heart, ready to believe this. I, maybe that goes back to that, that early church uh, thing you were talking about. Where at least they had a ready heart. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. At least they were. At least their heart was open to this thing. And sometimes we're so we're not to ever to be careless with the word of God, but we're so precise on what everything is going to be that we don't let it speak to us as a story, as as uh, to have the impact that it can. That's that's a danger. It, it, yeah, I, I remember I was reading a book once, and it was kind of like a history of interpretation, and uh, somebody kind of made that point, and they made it very well. Uh, Somebody, they compared an ancient uh, interpretation of the Song of Solomon. I think it was, let me kiss him with the kisses of my mouth. And it was very allegorical, you know, probably not something that we would typically hear in our pulpits today. And then he compared it with like a modern technical commentary. And then they're like, the word kiss is used in instances. And it can be, you know, it has these types of, and all this. And he just like listed off. And then he he just kind of like took a pot shot at the end. And he's like, it's no wonder that, you know, that people are can can feel dry because sure if we want to know, we want to be careful with God's word and we want yep. to yep. work through it but yeah there does come a point where well, it almost seems like it'd be impossible to have these incredible stories that don't make a visceral impact you know but then yet we read in the book of revelation about a woman who's expecting and ready to give birth and a dragon that's going to eat the child when it emerges from her womb and we don't go oh man that's horrible we're like, okay, well, who's the dragon and who's the woman and where's the baby? It's like, wait a second, think about what you just said. Yeah. I mean, have, as a father of eight, I think about childbirth, I guess, more than most people. But, but uh, you know, to think of, 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 that, of that event and then have that follow up something violent and terrible and destructive, I mean, that's a huge impact. And, and to have that story and not let it make an impact is weird. It doesn't mean we shouldn't also then analyze it and think about it, but it, it – we, we're going to miss it. We're not going to get all the information if we don't let this, the story speak for itself. Yeah. So I think that's that's part of it as well, even as, as we've been talking, is that this this story of the Old Testament is leading into Jesus. And, um, you know, one of the things that I've uh, said, I think I said in this lesson, um, maybe not, but just w- when you get to the end of the Old Testament, somebody has said before that the Old Testament is a story in search of an ending. And I think that's really true. Like you get to the end of the Old Testament and you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, that's it? Sure. What What about David? What about Abraham? Yeah. You know, you end with, with Malachi and he's basically calling the people out. They're back in the land. They've got the temple up and running. You're like, oh, hey, great. And then Malachi comes along and is like, no, it's not great. You guys, you know, you're not really worshiping him. You, mm. You're giving him the leftovers and, and that's it. And then it ends. And you're like, well, well, and then what? Um, and then we wait. <laughs> we wait for a long we time. We wait for a long time. And then Jesus shows up and he takes those, you know, it's kind of like, you you know, you watch, um, maybe you're watching a show or reading a book and they kind of have several different plot threads going. And, you know, you get to the second to last chapter, or, you know, the season right before the season finale. And you think, okay, how are they going to wrap this one up? Right. I mean, that's what's happening in scripture is you get to the end of the Old Testament. You're like, okay, Lord, you've. There's a lot going on here. How is this? How is this going to play out? Because it doesn't really look like, you know, there's this people that you've promised that you're going to bless, that you're going to bless the world through them. I don't really see that happening. Yeah. Um, 
what's right. what's going to happen? Well, and it is it is the greatest story ever told, not my title. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, it, it truly is. When you think about the stories that you just mentioned that, that you might see in a book or a film or TV, um, you know, usually we're disappointed in some way or somebody is. Yeah. Um, there's nothing disappointing about Jesus. Like mm. nothing. I mean, especially in the culmination of what's, what's yet to happen. There's yeah. really no thread that's not. And then, and then to have, you know, to have this first part end and pointing to Christ and then to have him come and so completely fulfill everything and yet open up way more than you ever realized. It's like, Oh, wait a second. We don't need, we don't need just another, um, another, you know, volume we need a whole new series to explain what he just opened up which is all the series that we have of missionary stories and church revivals and church history and all these things that happen like what christ brings not only completed the old story the old testament but it opened up the new testament this new story in in a way that there's it feels like there's limitless bandwidth now to make a whole new set of things i mean it's it's so much more than like you know star wars where hmm. we're creating all these kind of side stories and all this sort of stuff it's and you see how hard it is for them to do that because they're so bad <laughs> but when you look at what christ does and what his what the old testament set up what he fulfilled and then what he opens up it's 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 as limitless as he is yeah it's awesome it's it's very awesome um Let's let's start working through some of these. So I mentioned four lenses, and they're alliterated, so hopefully you can remember them. Um, four ways that the Old Testament points forward to Jesus. The first that I, I have here is prophecies. Uh, the prophecies of the Old Testament point forward to Jesus. And we could put those in, in several categories. Um, <clears throat> the coming of Jesus was prophesied. We think of things like the virgin birth or... Um, you know, you think of things like uh, specific enough to get the wise men to Bethlehem. Yeah, Bethlehem. I mean, okay. I mean that's that's a pretty incredible story. Yeah, that's for sure. You, you know, they show up and they go to the king and they're like, "Hey, where's the real king supposed to be born?" And he's like, "Oh, let me go check on that." And he checks with the you know the Jewish theologians and they're like, "Oh, Bethlehem," and they quote chapter and verse. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, amazing. Um, you think of the even John the Baptist. I kind of put here in this bucket of Jesus coming. Uh, you know, obviously not necessarily his his birth immediately, although Luke uh, ties those two together. But uh, just that he's the one who's going to go out and prepare the way of the Lord, and kind of starts a revival there, and you know prepares people's hearts. And then when Jesus comes along, you know John points and says, "Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world." Um, his death is prophesied, and we can think of lots of places. Two chapters um, that I uh, that came to my mind was Isaiah fifty three, uh, which is a well known one, and then uh, Psalm twenty two is one that, that's really important. There are several. Uh, it's a psalm written by David, but it's a psalm that um, is used by Christ. In fact, the first line of the psalm is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right. Uh, it talks about his garments uh, being um, uh, parted and, parted and ca- them yeah, casting lots. and Gambling for it. Um, so different things like that. And then the exaltation of Jesus was prophesied. Um, there's a couple passages. The Believe it or not, Psalm 110 this is one of those places where I feel like uh, we need to pay more attention. Psalm 110, as I understand it, is, I believe, the most quoted chapter of the Old Testament mm. in the New Testament. Interesting. And, yeah, most people don't. And when you when you get a couple of lines from it, you realize, oh, really, all that's Psalm 10? So, uh, Psalm the, one, 110, right? Psalm 110, yeah, I'm uh-huh. sorry. Priest after the order of Melchizedek is uh-huh, Psalm 110. Sure. The Lord has said to my Lord, sit here until I make the enemies a footstool. Um uh, passages like that, 
And so those end up being really important for Jesus and for the early church as they seek to understand who Jesus is. It's really interesting, too, because it's a psalm where you have a priest king. Mm. And um, for those of you that may remember from our king series, we had one instance of a priest king. Did not go well. And it did not go well. <laughs> um, spent the rest of his life as a leper. And so th- it's just really interesting that you have a priest after the order of Melchizedek. He's a priestly, kingly figure. And um, so that's that's important. I don't know if you had anything you wanted to add there, Matt, or any other prophecies that uh, stick out to you as you think through the Old Testament pointing forward to Jesus through prophecies. No, I just, you know, I love when I read these to think of how specific they are and how perfectly he completed them. That's, that's amazing and and so wonderful. Um, you know, it's amazing that that God can give a prophecy about Cyrus before he's born and have yeah. his name right. Um, you know, and here it's not just his name, it's his birthplace and it's so many details. It's his it's his life, it's his death, and it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. It's probably kind of one of the more obvious ones. You think, how does the Old Testament prepare the way for Jesus? I think most people would say, oh, well, there's prophecies about Jesus in there. And that's that's true, and that's accurate, and so I figure that's a, a good place to start. Um, the next one, and this is kind of related, but we have this idea of the promises of the Old Testament point forward to Jesus. And so um, I'm kind of distinguishing between a prophecy and a promise, as a prophecy is this is about Jesus and who he's going to be, a promise is given to somebody else. So uh, the first one, and we actually, um, uh, in, in our church, we went through a study in biblical themes called the big picture, and we dealt with several of these. You have the promise that's made in the garden uh, to the serpent. Um, and, and this one, I mean, it's kind of weird. It, it's it's said to the serpent, but it's very obviously for the benefit of Adam and Eve um, that there is one who's going to come who's going to crush the serpent's head, a seed of you the know, woman. You know, some people might want to go back and look at some of those themes, and you have the the link here it's singlefocusindie.org slash big picture dot html so if they're listening and they go oh, okay how do i learn more about that you go to singlefocusindie.org slash big picture dot html and then they can get more of this detail you're talking about yeah um it, it was an interesting study i i really uh, enjoyed going through it we dealt with a lot of the covenants but this is kind of where this comes from you have the promise that's made in the garden um you have the promise that's made to abraham uh, and the promise that's made to David, the, the different covenants there. And so, you know, you get to the end of the Old Testament, and you're expecting a seed who's going to come from the woman, and then you find out it's not just from the woman, it's going to be from Abraham, and it's going to bless all the nations, and then you find that it's not just from Abraham, but it's going to come from David, and he's going to rule all the nations. And so it keeps getting narrower and more specific, and uh, you get to the end of the Old Testament. And again, we're still waiting for this guy uh, to, to show up. Um. Then we have uh, what I call patterns, or you could call them pictures of the Old Testament that point forward to Jesus. And this is um, a very (laughs) controversial topic, believe it or not. Um, Hmm. Everyone agrees that it's there. Everyone kind of fights over how exactly to best understand it, but it's what um, theologians call typology. And a typology is when certain patterns or pictures in the Old Testament are understood as pointing forward in some way to Jesus. And so there's several different ways uh, that they make that connection. I go through just a couple in the lesson. Jesus is pictured as a better sacrifice. He's pictured as the ultimate son of David. He's pictured as a new Melchizedek. These types of Old Testament pictures and patterns um, that point forward to Jesus. I don't know if this is something you've studied at all, Matt, or um, given much thought to. Or Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think particularly when I think of the sacrifice, that comes out so clearly because of what Christ did on the cross for us. Um, and then, and then a little bit. I guess where I started studying some of this is the 
the conflict that when you talk about Ezekiel's uh, millennial temple and the sacrifices reinstituted during the millennial kingdom. So as we start to get some of these data points, again, I'm going back to that storyline. How do I connect the Old Testament sacrifices to a millennial kingdom sacrifices with the reality of the one true sacrifice having been offered at Gethsemane. Mm. How do I, how do I do that? What kind of a story works in that? So that's where that I, t- I tend to go. <laughs> how do I make all these points fit this, uh, this, this story or tell the true story based on what the Bible tells us? So when I think of typology and those kinds of things, I, I want to, I, I understand what you're saying in terms mm-hmm. of, can we, can we actually define this, Old Testament picture as a type? Does it meet the requirements of a mm-hmm. type? I think that's helpful to a point. But we again, I don't want to have that pull me out of the reality. This is still a story, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm, I'm still trying to keep that story what God has revealed it to be. And um, so, you know, one of the things I've done with the Ezekiel thing, and, and, and people talk about the sacrifice in the Old Testament port, point ahead to Christ sacrifice yeah. in the Latter kingdom points back to Christ's sacrifice. Um, you know, one of the things that you talked this mentioned is that Christ is a high priest and a King, mm-hmm. uh, a unique situation. Um, and you know, if, if Christ himself as King sits in Jerusalem and goes into the temple and offers himself, you know, himself personally takes and offers a sacrifice, mm-hmm. who's going to tell him no, <laughs> like, okay, you're saying, no, Lord, you're going to, you're going to mess up this picture of what you already did. No, he's not messing anything up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so certainly it's within his purview, I guess, is, is the point I'm trying to make. If you could put yourself into a storyline where that's happening, you could see how that's possible. And now, now we don't freak out about it. Now we don't go, okay, that Ezekiel thing's got to be totally wrong. It's got to be not, not the millennium and not this and not that. And we, you know, yeah. we get all wrapped around the handle. Well, no, there's a simpler solution. And it, it's found in this story that he's telling about himself. Yeah. Good. Um, we'll keep moving here. This last one. And I think this is going to be one where we're going to kind of uh, hunker down over the next couple of weeks uh, in our series, but we're going to talk about the problems of the Old Testament and how they point forward to Jesus. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of problems in the Old Testament. And as I mentioned before, we keep talk, going back to how the Old Testament's a story, and you get to the end of the story, and the story's, there's a lot of problems that need fixing. And um, all the people who were supposed to fix them from a human standpoint have failed. Um, and so... You know, it's it's typical to think of Christ as the prophet, the priest, and the king, and then you kind of start going through some of those, and you realize they've had them, but they haven't really like done what they needed to do. So you, you have a prophet in the Old Testament; you have lots of prophets, and um, they're supposed to give people God's message, and they do that, and they do that faithfully. But there's still a couple of problems. Number one, Hebrews makes this point: it's it's too piecemeal. Um, he's, you know, uh, mm. the author of Hebrews says many times and in many ways. You know, God spoke to our prophets, but now he's spoken to us through the son. And you, you read some of the prophets sometimes and you're like, okay, wait, what, what are you, what are you, what's going on here? Right. Um, and we, we do that reading back with the advantage of Christ and, you know, um, 2,500 years of the followers of God thinking about these passages and studying sure. them. Um, and then the other problem is really just that people don't follow the the instructions of the prophet. And so we're waiting at the end of the Old Testament for a prophet to come who's going to clearly and fully reveal God and who's going to have people listen to him. And yeah. then, you know, you get to John 1 and it's the Word. And he is the perfect and complete expression of who God is because he is God. The Word uh, was God, is God. Um, we have the need for a perfect priest 
Um, and obviously priests go to other people on behalf of God. And they offer sacrifices to help people make their sin right before God. And the problem is they're never enough. Every year animals are slaughtered, and the next year just as many animals need to be slaughtered, and Hebrews really uh, hammers this home. And so then you have Jesus. He's the better sacrifice. And then finally we have the need for a perfect king, and kings lead people. And, <laughs> well, uh, you know, last in our last series we saw quite a bit about what happens when kings uh, don't do what they're supposed to do. And uh, that happens pretty frequently, and even the good ones are disappointing. And so we, we get done with all of these, and we're like, okay, we're waiting for a prophet to come to whom people will listen to. We're waiting for a king to come that people are ready to follow, and we're waiting for a priest to come who can offer the perfect sacrifice. Yeah. And obviously in all those ways, the Old Testament points forward to Christ. I love what uh, Walter Wilson, how he illustrated Christ being the perfect priest. Uh, he was in a furniture store, and this sales lady was trying to sell him a chair. And uh, she's talking about the chair and all the benefits of the chair and the great price and all these things. And uh, he, he looked at her and he said, do you ever, did you know that the greatest, most beautiful building that ever was exist ever to be constructed had no chair in it? And she said, no, what do you mean? She goes, well, the temple in Jerusalem was beautiful, was covered in gold and jewels and very ornate and wonderful, but there was no chair in it. She goes, why was there no chair? She, he said, because the priests went in and they were constantly working. There was no time mm. to sit down. There was no time to, to finish the work because they constantly had to go in every day, do the sacrifice, get out, do the sacrifice, get out. And then he read Hebrews 10 for her in verse 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down mm. on the right hand of God. That's uh, awesome. And he, he, there's the perfect priest. He gets to take a seat when he's done because uh, that's better than a mic drop, right? That's better than, <laughs> that's better than you know, uh, high priest out. Like he actually did it. He did it and it's, done that's amazing it is yeah well as we kind of wrap things up any other thoughts about the old testament and the way in which it points forward um to jesus i think we ought to get excited as we as we go into the old testament and read it for ourselves and then come back out and share it with other people mm -hmm. um you know it, it, it ought to be something we revel in and get super excited about you opened up with that john passage uh, he opened their eyes and their understanding to know what this was. And that's, that ought to be, I'm kind of glad he didn't tell us what he told them. So, <laughs> I know. So that yeah. we get to keep doing it the rest of our lives. And I've, I've thought that as well, you know, <laughs> going through this, like, well, he, he could have told us he didn't, he wants us to, to wrestle with these questions. He's telling us now, yeah. right? Open it up and, and ask him to show it to you. Let, you know, he'll, he'll gladly teach us. His Holy Spirit is the great teacher. And so we're not going to be disappointed if we go in there looking and asking him to reveal it. He'll do it. And one of the things that I've always thought, too, when it comes to Bible study in general, you know, the nice thing about Bible study is, man, you've got a lifetime to do it. Like, it, just, keep, just keep reading and praying and asking God to open your eyes and keep studying and resources like this, other resources. Obviously, there's lots of good resources out there. Listen to, you know, regular preaching as you're attending, uh, you know, uh, Sunday services and midweek services and whatever else. But, you know, as you're involved in that, like you have a lifetime to be studying these things and to be uh, observing these things. Like it's not, it, it's not something that you have to get the first time through or the second time sure. through or the 35th time through. Like, and that's, I think that's one of the beautiful things about studying scripture is like we have our whole life to be plumbing the depths and to be studying this and to be seeing new things and um, 
I don't know. I think that's really cool. And I think that's exciting. I think it's great because as you see something and you share it with somebody else, like we're doing right now with each other, or you do it at the round table, mm-hmm. there's a plug for round tables. Hey, hey. hey. <laughs> you know, you, you get this spark and, you're, and it helps you realize something else you hadn't thought about, right? And mm-hmm. not only what that person's saying, but then your mind works on that new data point or that new idea. And then you come up with a new idea that you hadn't thought about before. And, and that it's a very virtuous circle. It's a really nice, nice, uh, um, reflexive type uh, mechanism. Well, I, I, you know, I write the lessons and I love doing the small groups because we, we get in a table and I've been studying this passage and reading commentaries and you know, yeah. writing outlines. You wrote the and, book on it, Ben. Yeah. I wrote the book. And then, you know, <laughs> I, I, you sit down and somebody makes an observation and you're like, Oh wow, that's really good. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't see that. Yeah. I was talking to somebody after, uh, after we do one of these podcasts, uh, <coughs> Nate Ogden and, uh, <laughs> there's a little shout out for you, buddy. And, uh, you know, he said, yeah, you guys said this. And then I thought of this and I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, it's, it's wonderful that it's limitless mm-hmm. and that we all get to dive in together. Yeah. Studying scripture together in communities is pretty cool. Awesome. Um, well, we'll go ahead and uh, wrap it up here at this point. Uh, next week, we are going to be looking at Jesus, the prophet. And so um, if you want to be thinking in preparation, ask yourself this question, what was an old Testament prophet? Like what did they do? What was their function? Most people would say, oh, a prophet, right? They predict what the future is going to be. And prophets did do that. But that was kind of subsidiary, to be, to be honest. That they, they would predict the future, but that's not really what they were all about. So think through, what is a prophet? What did they do? How did they behave? And then in what ways uh, do we see that kind of uh, behavior, we'll say, or um, activity or function on the part of Christ? And uh, I hope it'll be a, a helpful lesson. hope it'll be an encouraging lesson. Uh, Thank you once again to those of you who listened, and uh, we'll see you again next time. Take care. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. What you've heard has been an encouragement to you. Please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org or check us out on Facebook. And we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast.